This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. This is Baseball Outside the Box with Peter Caliendo. Innovative thoughts from baseball's best coaching minds from around the world. Brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, former USA Baseball National Team coach, Peter Caliendo. Hey, hello everybody. Pete Caliendo, host of Copabe Playball. Welcome to the show. We got another great guest for you. And don't forget, go to our social media, check us out. We're getting a show out all over Copabe, which is North, Central, South America, and the Caribbean Islands. Represents all those great baseball countries. And today, we got a great one. I'll tell you why. Because you may have not heard of, of Haiti a lot when it comes to baseball, but you're about to hear about it because we got a young man on the show who's the general manager of the national team. He handles a lot of the business side of it, the promotions, the marketing. He's got some great ideas, and that's what we need in the game of baseball. More young people that are really smart and really study the game and understand how we need to educate people, educate our coaches, develop it from the grassroots level, but also handle the national team programs. And let me, without further ado, let me not waste any time because I want to get to this interview because it's going to be a great one. Let me uh, introduce our guest, Enzo Pierre, the GM of the Haitian national team. Enzo, what's up, buddy? Thanks for coming on. Hey, Peter, what a wonderful opportunity to be here with you. Thank you very much for the quick introduction. And uh, it's such amazing to be here. First of all, I'd like to send a warm greeting to all the members of the Copa Bay and uh, receive my greetings. And what's a pleasure to get to know all of you and then see the work that you have been doing in your, in your federation. So it's been a real pleasure so far learning from each of you. Please receive oh. my greeting and thank you for having me, Peter. Awesome. Great way to start the show. Welcome everybody in Copabe. And listen, uh, Enzo and I got a chance to talk a little bit off air, actually for quite a while. Um, and what's great is I got to know his story really well. Enzo, I want to start with, you know, before we get into baseball in Haiti and all that, I want to start with your background because I think it's important because, you know, um, I, I'll kind of preface it. Adversity, you know, really builds character and let me tell you something, uh, nobody's been through more adversity than you have. So let's start with your story when it comes to, you know, where you grew up, um, how you got in the sports, all that kind of lead us into, and then we'll get into, into baseball in Haiti. Yes, definitely, Peter. And your questions are always great. Thank you for getting right onto the point and also showing interest on my, on my um, story as well, right? Because story keep us alive and help us to keep moving forward. So to tell you about me. I was born in Haiti and raised in the Dominican Republic. And uh, I lost my parents at the age of eight, living in the central part of the of the of Haiti. So when I found myself an orphan at the age of eight and lived with several family members and and became a street boys for several years and until I couldn't find more opportunities and I have to take the road that all young Haitians from Haiti will take is to, to take it walking from one corner of the country to another corner to, uh, uh, to, to another country, which means the Dominican Republic. So what a real blessing. I call it a blessing because challenges or adversity help us to build stronger character. I, I strongly believe in that. And thank you, Peter, also for mentioning that. So I found myself in a situation after the death of my parents to get started how sports or being in a social environment have helped me to be who I am today. So to mention part of my success going straightforward, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to measure my success today without my wife and my four kids. She is my engine. She's the reason who I am today and my kids, uh, my full happiness. So I found myself in a situation once and after my dad, my mother and my father died and asking myself, who am I and uh, what life had, had for me down the road, right? There's a day, Peter, I found myself starving to death. Wow. Starving and I thought that night I was not going to make it. So typically as an orphan, as someone without, without parents, you rely on what the nature will produce. You might ask, what is that the nature? So I mean like what fruits, 
and uh, sugarcane and mangoes. This is what we rely on because that what is available for us. But there's a day, Peter, that I couldn't handle the painful um, feeling that I had of wanting to eat. And I made my way to one of the closest jungle, or to call it like that, where they used to, a lot of farmers used to grow massive oranges and other fruits. But it was not mango seasons. It was not orange season. Going to that place, hoping that you're going to find an orange or something to eat, it's like 99.9% impossible. But I made the step and I walked into the mountain. And when I get to the, to the orange tree, Peter, what I saw up there, I couldn't believe it. This was a big orange in the very top of the tree. And I said, I'll go for it. And I climbed the tree and then grab it. So I was happily, joyfully walking from the mountain to a flat land to be able to eat my orange. But for whatever reason, and I felt, why should I eat that orange? I had so much passion to play football, to play soccer, and I didn't have access to a soccer ball. And then having that big fat orange, I was tempted to really play soccer with it. So that's what I did. And I said, you know what? I'm going to play soccer with it and I'm going to kick it when the orange can no longer handle my kicks. So then I'm going to open it and kick it and eat it. But at least I had my practice for the day. And as I was sitting in a rock eating my orange and uh, I felt a very soft hand that touched my shoulder with a English accent that say, come and play, come and play. And I kind of look and it was a Canadian coach, uh, someone who came as to have like a religious mission in the village. And then he was coaching lots of fortunate kids. I had to call it fortunate kids because those kids have mom and dad and they could mm -hmm. eat, they could go to school. When he said that, come and play, I said, are you kidding me? I'm an orphan. I'm a bastard. That's exactly how they used to call us. I'm a bastard. How do you think that I'm going to play with those fortunate kids? He said that I am going to support you in a team, come and play. And I just accepted the invitation. And when I get there, the coach told me that I want you to kick that ball as hard as you were kicking that orange. And he put me in a team and I was happy again. I had friends. I was no longer a starving child. And I have a coach that could look after me. And I became important for the small village that we were living at because of my goals. So I can tell you, I can testify. I witnessed that miracle into my life. I call it miracle. That because of my action of going to that mountain to find an orange from the middle of nowhere, produce such a great opportunity for me to be on a team, be recruited by a coach, and have food and a warm place to sleep. This is my story from Haiti. Now, I know that you have want to know how I get involved into the baseball industry. You're from Haiti, you play soccer and stuff like that. So as I found myself living in Haiti right after the political crisis that's been happening in the country since the 19, uh, uh, 1997 or 1999, so around, around those dates, so I found myself walking from Haiti to the Dominican Republic. So, yeah, I did walk. Uh, my brother, I got rescued was by one of my brothers from in a very bad place I was living. Practically my owner or my master didn't want to let me go. And my brother come and put pressure and rescue me. And my brother had then had a visa to come to the idea. And he said, you know what? There's no way we're going to have time to have a passport ready for you and give you a visa to come to the Dominican Republic with me. So we can just take a regular bus, but let's take the road. So we took the road and we walked for many, many, many weeks and days, eating whatever we could find in the jungle. When we made it finally to the Dominican Republic, and I said, this is the life. It was beautiful. When I saw the big giant buildings and I see people eating, I see food everywhere. I said, this is where I wanted to be. So I came in to the country to the idea with the idea that I will not go back and I don't want to be the child that I used to, I used to be. I want to be some, someone else. So I started having building great relationship with my 
Dominican neighbors and their little friends in the street. So that what the game that they call Bitija was introduced to me. It's like a little plastic things and then use a very thin, uh, you definitely know Bitija, something that they play in the DR. Was uh -huh. I thought it was fun, but uh -huh. I still had the love for the soccer. This one day I found a soccer ball. I found a baseball wanting to play soccer, I kind of throw it in the air and then kick it with my head. Oh my gosh, that was not a good decision, Peter. It hurts so bad. <laughs> I said, this is not the good use of the baseball. I got to get to know more about the game and play it right. So I never played professional baseball and I never played like formal baseball, but I did play street baseball with my friends. And that did really help me a lot, Peter. It's really helped me to be, to be where I am today. And because sports have served my life, and I believe that it can save many other lives. That's how I get into the sport industry. That's how I get to the administrative part of it to really help it so it can run right. You know what's interesting, Enzo? And folks, if you're on Facebook, you got any questions for Enzo, please type them in the comment section. We're streaming live on Facebook, Twitter, um, YouTube, but we're actually taking questions also on Facebook. So if you got any, just type them again in the comments section. Um, you heard Enzo's story. Let me tell you, it's incredible because, you know, you hear, you know, stories of adversity. I mean, this is really true adversity, not only losing your parents, but then having to travel on your own, going to Dominican, you know, kind of, you know, seeing baseball, having an, having somebody believe in you, obviously the soccer coach, um, all that. Now it looks like, you know, you're taking everything that you learned through your adversity, through your life, all these skills that you've developed now, and you're, you're looking to help kids in Haiti, not just in baseball, but also in life in general. Um, and I, I can't commend you more than anything, because I think there's a program that you have that we're going to talk about that we need to really let other countries know about. So talk about now um, the baseball side of it, uh, because, you know, you went through all this adversity, you got to this level, you didn't play the game, but yet you're making a big influence in Haitian baseball. Talk up a little bit about how baseball has, you know, was created there, you know, what's going on right now, you know, when it comes to the organization, a little overall of, you know, so our, so our guests kind of get an idea about Haitian baseball. Right, Peter, thank you very much. I really, that, I really like the word adversity. Uh, the word adversity help you to build character. And I always say that you have to be able to experience the bitter to be able to appreciate the sweet. Right, so this is how I saw it, and uh, yeah. As for baseball and Haiti, there's some. There's we have some very important data. So this moment that I found myself talking with lots of people about baseball in Haiti, I say baseball in Haiti. Do they play baseball in Haiti? So right. if you go to the internet, you will find so much information that in nineteen in nineteen fifteen to nineteen thirty four, the game was played in the country. So when the Yankees and the American occupation were there, that's what they used to do for the past time. So the same while Venezuela, the Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, and the other Caribbean islands adopted the game, it is the, specifically the same way it was introduced to us, Peter. Hmm. Now, what happened? After the 1934 occupation, the Haitian people were super hurt. So they didn't want anything related to America. They said, I, we don't want anything the American left in the country. Or they live lots of building, they destroyed it. They destroyed lots of stuff. They said, okay, we should get rid of anything that reminded us the Yankees, which mean the Americans, right? Mm -hmm. So with that said, baseball was played in Haiti. We had quite a few teams that was built in Gonaive. Uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, part of the country, the cities in the country, where they play baseball in there. So what happened? So uh, by 2011, I got connected with uh, one of our uh, of our leaders in there. Gadi Prophet is the president for the federation. They started baseball in the country, but at least I saw there's a piece like that was missing, like the administrative part of it. Who's going to do? It? Who's going to make the travel? Who's going to make the budget? We are living in 21st centuries, uh, century, uh, Peter, without having good projects. So no matter how brilliant is your idea, it will not work. You have to be able to write or type to really make your idea count. Otherwise, it's just a simple dream. So I met with the president, and we became really good friends. And then we started implementing some projects. 
So before the pandemic, we have over 36 teams. Wow. Playing baseball in the country, like 36 academies, playing baseball, competing against them. So we had lots of big projects to build baseball fields together with a lot of associates and partners that have approached us to really help us move forward. There's one thing I really want to know, I really want to tell you, this project of baseball in Haiti is not something that I did. It's a group of good Haitian citizens mm -hmm. that choose to meet as friends, brothers, business partners, the way we want to call it, to really make it a reality. So when you read up the news, you see like the Haitian are killing each other, Haitian doesn't love, don't love each other, they are fighting against each other. That's something I invite a lot of people to be careful to say it because we can achieve great things by working together. And since I started this project with the Federation and with my other two, uh, three Haitian friends, we have been tirelessly working to make it happen. So we awesome. have been played in the country and then we have a couple informal academies functioning in the country. Unfortunately, there's certain places we cannot get there yet because of the situation in the country, but like, just watch out, something big had to come. You know, what's interesting too is, uh, you know, and I'm gonna ask you about the pandemic because a lot of things went, you know, talk about adversity, you know, many countries, almost all countries that play baseball during the pandemic, you know, had to kind of switch gears a little bit because you couldn't go out and do things with the kids or the players. Um, so what did you guys do during the pandemic? How did you keep the ball rolling, the education, the you know, the excitement of the game, you know, without being able to go out and actually participate? That's a really great question and thoughtful, um, Peter. So our, our federation, we have constant meetings because without the meetings, we would not be able to put the pieces together. You have mm -hmm. to meet constantly. So we are so grateful that we have access to the internet. I call that a blessing, super blessing, fortunate, right? That we can communicate no matter where we are. So with that said, we met twice a week. And um, since we do not have baseball uh, uh, fields in the country to really practice the game, what we do, the president and I, we are implementing the baseball five. Hmm. Why? So really keep the little ones going, give them the ideas and the principles of the game. Because baseball five right now, it's a, it's a uh, I will call it, it's a good way to really get the kids where they want to be in the future when the country is open for baseball. Why? Because the baseball five, you can pay, play it anywhere. You don't need like uh, three, four, five acres to really play baseball five. So that's what right now we have been slowly working on with the smallest kids, but outside of, of Port-au-Prince because the country, the capital right now is setting on fire. It's a complete mess. Mm -hmm. But we're going in the suburbs area to be able to implement the game. So by the time that we have a relief, hopefully soon in the country, we can start then um, having normal practice, baseball practices going on in the country under the direction of a few Cuban coaches that we have imported from Cuba. Right now we have like three or four Cuban coaches with experience helping us planning for when the country is uh, has a relief from all of those scaristic things that is going on. So this way we so are. During the pandemic, um, like these kids, were, were they doing something? Were they, you know, I don't know, throwing the ball against a wall or, or was there anything going on for them? I mean, what could they have, what could they do during a pandemic if they really like baseball? Was there anything they could do at that time? So that's why like I mentioned before, in Port-au-Prince, we cannot do anything. But outside of Port-au-Prince, these kids continue throwing the balls, ah. continue catching and continue having, uh, having their regular activities. Yeah, that's good. I like that. And, um, you know, the, the other area of this is, and you mentioned the adversity, um, there's adversity within the country, as you just mentioned, in Port-au-Prince. So you, you, almost, you, you almost have to, you know, you got that road, you're going in this direction, then you got to shift a little bit here and a little bit there. I mean, you've got to make adjustments on the go here because you don't know what's going to happen from day to day sometimes. Talk about that area and how you handle the adversity of the country and trying to implement baseball also? I think uh, one thing that, keep, uh, that is keeping us alive, Peter, are the kids. It is incredible how adaptable 
they can be. You come with the idea, you introduce it to the kids, you say, this is what I want to do, this is what I would like to help you implement. They will compete against them. Hmm. They will just get together and then they will say, let's see who can throw the ball harder. Let's see who can bat harder. Let's see who can, who can run faster. And because of that energy, as adults, as professional businessmen, parents, you say, you know what? I need to set at least 30 minutes of my time a day or a week to really get those little ones going because mm. desires cannot really give us the moment to really think of taking a break. So with that said, they are continuing doing their practices. A lot of parents try not to let them go out because there's a lot of problem with kidnapping. We don't really want to put those kids in a situation where they have been kidnapped and then the parents mad at all and suffering and all of those things. But we try to adjust it as positive as we can to help those kids to keep themselves um, active. For example, there's a young man, his name is Fabrice. He has uh, a baseball club in the country that he calls the Eagle or the Eagles, right? So he went to Switzerland and he got a very extensive baseball training in there. He came back to the country, the Federation covered all of those expenses. He came back to the country with a certification. He's one of the local that we are relying on to really keep those kids alive, to keep them like motivated until we can have a break from all of those situation adversities that the country is facing right now. You know, I got to believe that the Haitian kids are no different than any kids in the world, but also Copabe, you know, you know, I love about Copabe countries is the kids have a lot of passion for the sport. They love the sport. They're energetic. You know, they play positive. They've also been through a lot of adversity, depending what country you're talking about. Um, you know, so there's other factors that we're talking about here because we're not just talking about adversity of life, but then you got the adversity that, I mean, things you may need to develop the sport. Talk to us a little bit about some of the things that you could use in Haiti, because, um, you know, we're all praying, obviously, for the country, things to get better. Um, but also when it comes to baseball, you know, what you need to be able to grow the game. I think right now our main challenges are coaches, equipment. We have a ton of equipment, thanks to the Jack Bluer Foundation. Ah. He's a former NFL player. Mm-hmm. And, um, he provided, I uh, would say, a full... 20 foot containers of equipment to us. We are very grateful. Wow. Having the equipment, um, Peter, and not having the right uh, coaches and the right coaching, it's kind of like worthless, right? So that's why it's like giving a guy uh, uh, a training on how to fly an airplane without the proper manual. That's if you find out yourself in this situation, this is where you need to go, right? So I think right now what we really need or will be needing extensively will be like a professional like you, Peter, coaches that can come give seminar. For example, we are relying a lot on André Lachance because he speaks French. He's a great Canadian. I call him a good Canadian. I call him mon frère, my brother. Yes. So, <laughs> He's always um, ready to talk to us and help us. We had a couple meetings with him already and how he can help train our local coaches, help them to be certified, to really understand the right mechanism to train those kids properly to the game. And I think our main challenges will be like coaches and moving forward, of course, have to build fields and those baseball fields cost lots of money. But I wouldn't go to the Copper Bay or to the WBSC without, first of all, having like a very nice lineup project and tell them this is where I want you to help us moving forward. But Absolutely. coaching right now and having a very reliable baseball field is what we will be needing soon in the country, Peter. Absolutely, boy. And you're hitting the foundation of the sport because there's no doubt about it. Without good coaching, you cannot. And we've talked about this on the show many times with different coaches, different countries around the world. You cannot develop a the foundation of a sport without having excellent coaches having good educational program a couple things first a shout out to wbsc enzo mentioned baseball five check it out wbsc.org baseball five as he mentioned you know you don't need hardly you just need a ball and you put some bases down and you're all set you're pretty much playing in an infield 
check it out because that will be in the future. I really believe baseball five is going to be in the Olympics. That's a whole nother story in itself. The second part, shout out to our Canadian friends who we've worked a lot with um, Andre Lachance, the Canadian baseball federation, one of the best coaches, educational programs in the world, along with you've got Cuba, you've got the Australia, you've got the Netherlands, you've got a lot of good uh, educational programs when it comes to coaches. So I want to give that shout out. Um, I, I, you know, they're a Copabic country. We've had uh, Baseball Canada on to talk about their program. Uh, the reason I bring all this up, because I think in some ways, I've heard you mention this, and it's not criticism, it's actually education. And that is, without mentioning countries, you've actually learned from other countries because, you know, other countries have, bought, have started programs or done things, you know, and when they do, you're going to make mistakes. So yes. you've learned from other countries some of the mistakes they've made. What are some of those mistakes that you're hoping to avoid that you've learned other countries possibly made early on? Education, 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 and education. If I need to say it three, four times again, I'll say it. <laughs> so without mentioning any specific federation, something that I have done, I, I, I have seen in Latin America. It's like the coaches or what we call the Buscones or what we call the informal academies. I mean, I think to me, this is definitely uh, disrespectful to a, to, to, to a parent who has been raising a son and then at the age of six, seven or 10 and take that kid away and put that kid to play baseball in full and forgetting about education. To me, this is something catastrophical and I don't support it. And I don't, I, I, I'm using the word I a lot, but let me just go ahead and talk as a team. We don't want to make the mistake by excluding education from all game. So if the MLB somehow it's connected, it's looking at what we say. So we will, we will tell them to take notes on that. To, to be able to sign one of our kids, for example, the next coming years. So mm -hmm. what I will expect on a scout to ask to my kids, what's the level of your ed education? What are you studying? Where are you at? Don't ask like, what are the five skills? How fast can you run? How, how hard can you bat? Or how can you catch? And all those things. Those shouldn't be the preliminary question when you're recruiting a kid. It should be like, hey, tell me a little bit more about your education. So with that say, Peter, we want to make sure that education, academic schools to be specific, will be the starting point. So that said, all kids will be going to school and playing mm -hmm. baseball. If you're not doing well in school, you cannot play baseball. And that's it. That's something that we will be implementing with the Federation, the Olympic Committee and Ministry of Sports. Excellent. I, I got to believe that's going to be a great program because it's education and baseball, which teaches life skills. When you combine them both together, boy, you've got a powerful person. We all know that, you know, you're only going to play baseball for so long. So many guys are going to make it to the major leagues. Some that maybe minors, some college baseball, if you're lucky, even high school baseball. But what are you going to do after the game? And if you're playing the game, Enzo, right, and, and you're educating to make sure they go to school, because we do know there's a lot of countries uh, that some of their academies, some of their areas, they don't necessarily worry about the kids going to school, like you said, because all they're worried about is selling the player to a professional team. And, and you know what? That player ne needs a lot more than just getting to the U.S. and playing professional baseball or, or college baseball. They need to be educated prior to that. Um, what about the education? We're talking about school, right? And we're talking about life skills and baseball. But then we've also got to prepare them, and I'm assuming this is part of it, prepare them to come to a country like the U.S. You know, they may speak English, which is great, or they may not, or they need to learn other skills to be able to handle the culture, which might be different here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Peter, at this very moment, my phone is ringing. Lots of kids from the Dominican Republic, a lot those we call left behind. Ah asking me, Pierre, what can you do for me? I am mm. 16 years old, and based on the last tryout that I had, I'm going to read it. Based on the last tryout that I had, and uh, the coach and the scout say that I am too old. So I know, and I believe in my skills. What can you do to help me? So when you receive this type of messages, you say that what could have done better before, before that? The kid dropped school early and not been able to graduate high school. And you said, wow, this is definitely catastrophic. So with that said, we're trying to avoid that in Haiti, but at the same time, 
I put lots of time in the Dominican Republic working with lots of young Dominicans. So right now, one of my pictures is playing with Dawson Community College in Montana. He is the top athlete at high school and college level for the whole state. He is 18 years old, coming from the Dominican Republic with zero English. Wow. I see the potential and I said, you know what? I am going to prepare you. I'm going to send you to college. You're going to learn English. And then let's see what the future has for you in the corner. So when I received that call and he told me that, yeah, I received lots of calls. Lots of D1 school are calling me, are contacting me. I don't know which one to choose because they said that they like me. So it's incredible that my kid right now, I call him my kid, is his draft, USA draft eligible right now. Wow. And he came to the country two years ago, Peter, without English, knowing anything, not knowing what to do with the future. Those are the type of kids that the program that we have designed right now, we call immersive, immersive English for international student athletes that we have prepared them. If July 2nd came or what they call who your goals in the Dominican Republic, you feel you are left behind and you have the skill, you have desire to school, to study. So then the immersive English program is for you. So we prepare you. And after two or three semesters with extensive English, we get you immersed into the language. So we are associated with 420 universities in the United States. So with that said, whenever those scholarships become available, Peter, we are the first group to be contacted. What do you have for me down there, Pierre? So among those talents, I pick some and I send some. So we have over 15 kids right now from the DR only studying in the United States. They were Fantastic. left behind, and then most of them are draft eligible. I mean, I told USA draft eligible. eligible. Wow. D1 college baseball. Wow. Outstanding. Now, I'll tell you what, you know, you're heading in the right direction when it comes to coaches education. Um, and I can tell you this, as vice president of ISG baseball, over 30 years, we've been doing coaching programs around the world. Um, we are going to work to get to Haiti um, and come also there to help coaches in Haiti. You, you've also got Cuban coaches there, which are outstanding, um, Dominican coaches. You know, the other part of this, now you got the coaches and the coaches are going to educate the players or help them get better educated so that way they can get better as players, as individuals, as human beings. But then the next part, and I'm, I'm assuming this is part of the program, but it sounds like it might be easier in Haiti than it would be in some other countries. Even though soccer, and we say football, but soccer um, that we call soccer in the States is a competitive sport and most kids play soccer. You've got to go out and get kids to play baseball. Um, one, how easy is it to get them to play baseball? Because it sounds like they enjoy it a lot. But two, you know, what do you, what do you do to get them? In other words, what do you, how do you show them the game? Do you go to the schools? What's the program? That's a good question, Peter. There's a saying that where the sugar is, is sweeter and, and juicy, you will find more ants. <laughs> I love that. So we have made a mistake. When I say we, I mean the Haitian. We've made a mistake by saying no when this sport was introduced to us. Uh -huh. I'm pretty sure many, many of those guys right now probably have passed since 1915. All of them have died. And if they are somewhere listening to this interview, they will say, oh my God, we have made such a stupid mistake. So now look at the baseball in the year, Venezuela, Cuba, and, and, and other countries. Why did we say no? Because the soccer didn't get us anywhere. Please, Peter, let's just go ahead and brainstorm in the internet. You might, you might not know that. Show me. A group of Haitian playing like first division soccer in Europe. Soccer, right. No. Practically none, right? And if they are, they are like Haitian kids born in France and playing in there with the French nationality. And right. show me, if we look at Altidore, who played for the U.S. national team, I mean, he's, he's Haitian, Haitian descendant, but the kid was raised in the, in the United States, right? Yeah. Yeah. So those in Haiti right now, they know that with soccer or football, they don't have a way out. Because the FIFA or La CONCACAF, they are not looking at Haiti. Hmm. Right? So what can we do? So there's one thing that I did when I first talked to the Federation. We are introducing the opportunity that the baseball has to the Haitian kids. If you go to school and get an education, this is what you're going to get. But the baseball also will, will, will discipline you. It's also a way out 
like it's been for like it has been for many many uh, thousands of Haitian uh, I'm sorry for thousands of ha uh, Dominican kids right so with that said we show them this is the future if you learn the discipline of the game you learn it well this is where you can end up you can end up signing an MLB contract if that doesn't take place you can end up playing college baseball right so that's the way I employ that wherever the sugar is sweeter and uh, juicy, you'll find more ants. Yeah. And another one, another one I use on my business presentations all the time. So do you know the only way to make a monkey dance? Give them fruit. Fruits, what type of fruits? They have to be specific. Bananas. Yeah, give it a banana. <laughs> You want the monkey to move, give it a banana. So we told the kids, this is the route of baseball, education, learn the principle, be motivated. And those kids are ready. You don't even have to talk much. They got it, Peter. They are ready to move. And I'm going to tell you in the next coming years, we are going to produce talent, local talent. I'm not talking about like talent we're going to be importing from the DR. No, we're talking about like local talent. Yeah, and you know what? And importing talent from the Dominican Republic only helps when they're playing along each other, right? If they, when they play with Dominican kids, that just helps their experience because some of the kids in the Dominican are pretty experienced. Um, mm -hmm. I think from the education side, I think the players off the Enzo have to understand that what's interesting is when you're talking about even high school baseball in the U.S., because you can have Haitian players playing high school baseball. Mm -hmm. um, when you're talking about college baseball, coaches are looking for the skilled players but they're also looking for the smarter players because those smarter players that translate from the classroom to the field, you become a much better player in the field. So that's what I love about the program. Um, now, and feel free to add anything you like when, when I ask you the next question, but here's the, here, here's the other part of this. The Haitian kids also have particular athletic skills um, because you're going to need both. You're going to need some athletic skills and you're going to need education to balance the two. Talk about the athletic skills they have when it comes to the game, why they can, you know, advance further than maybe some other players around the world. Definitely, Peter. I, I, I always say that Haitian, the Haitian people are adaptable. So you recruit a Haitian and tell the Haitian, I'm going to bring you to Idaho and there's snow everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and within two days, Peter, who was born and raised in Idaho, will say, wow. This is so cold, I can't handle it. And the Haitian will say, I got it, no problem. Wow. They are like strong and resilient people and willing to learn. So with that said, when the game was introduced to, to them, we knew that. For example, let's just use our, our, our coach, head coach, Lino Rivera, a master in the baseball from Puerto Rico. So he was interviewed once and he, saw, he, he asked why Haiti? And he said in Spanish, son muy atléticos, son mm. muy fuertes. Like, they are like athletics. Yep. They are strong. They know how to play the game. I mean, those kids, um, Peter, have been throwing rocks at the coconuts every day to survive. Throwing rocks at the mango every day. Yeah. They are practices and there are six. I don't even know. It's about helping them twist it around and helping them to find the right direction, you know? So... I'm going to just share something quickly with you, Peter. There's one Haitian kid, Haitian Dominican, that we brought straight from the Dominican Republic for a tryout in, in Miami. So when he got there in Miami, he was looking at the buildings and everything amazing. He loved everything. So when we give him a brand new cleat, he put the cleats on and then he got right on to be able to, to measure his speed and agility and all those things. It was like a speed session. So the kid was running with the cleats and in the middle, he stopped. And the guy who was taking this speed said, why did he stop? What did he stop? And then he walked back and he said that, how fast did I, did I run? And I don't really remember the speed, but it was a very high speed he was going. Mm -hmm. And he told me and 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 and, and Creole, please, please, which means, I can run faster than that, but I can do it without the shoes. If, if, if you took the shoes off, the cleats off, I can just double what I just did. Wow. So we say, okay, great. 
man, I don't think I should do that because if you get injured, man, what's going to happen? He said that, just do it. So Peter, what we did is we told him you're going to do what you feel more comfortable to do. Mm-hmm. We want to frustrate you. This is your dream. You have only one shot. So go ahead and take the shoes off and then go for it. Peter, he just took the cleats off, man. He went like, like a missile, <sighs> like a supersonic airplane. And and then the coach, the college coach said that, is that what we have in Haiti? And I said, him, I told him, you haven't done, you haven't seen anything yet. So those kids have been running in this without shoes on forever because they don't have anything. So when you give them a glitch, it's hard for them to really get that quick adaptation. They want to be themselves. Now, we are not going to put them in, a, in a, an official game without glitch on. We have to follow the regulation. But yeah. this is an example that I use to show you how ready they are, Peter. You know, so they are just willing to learn and they are like willing to do whatever takes place that will take them to success. You know, that reminds me, and it's interesting, it reminds me when I was a young kid and we go back a long time, man, um, you know, we used to do some similar things. You know, we used to go out and play with our buddies, whatever baseball we had, we used, you know, whatever field we could find, we played on. You know, we'd skip rocks on the water. You hear about major leaguers who used to hail bay or bail, I should say, bail hay in uh, on their farms and they got stronger, you know, and they throw rocks against trees and, and try to hit, you know, whatever they're trying to hit. And that's how they were developing their skills. Um, you know, the other part of this, um, I got to believe because I compared a little bit, I know it's going to sound a little weird, but uh, I do a lot of work in Eastern Europe. Um, and in Eastern Europe, one of the things I see is a lot of good athletes, but I also see a lot of mentally tough kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the next part of this, because we all know the mental part of the game is the most important, because if you believe and you can deal with the adversity, the failures of the game of baseball, which it sounds like the Haitian kids could really handle, the mental game is so important. Uh, I got to believe that they've got an advantage here. Peter, look at what is coming from the Batages. Let's just jump in right onto Dominican Republic with no questions. Those kids from the Batages. So those kids from the sugar cane plantation, all of those mm-hmm. kids. No question, Haitians. So let's just go look at the stats to see how many Haitian Dominicans or Haitian descendants play Major League Baseball. So this is nothing comparing to what the other kids in Haiti, to call it like that fully Haitian, can provide. So I, I remember when my when when my dad passed away, my father passed away first, and then a couple months later, my mom then died. When my father wow. died, I had to help my mom in the farm. So I was constantly using a tool to really harvest the goods that the land is producing. So I don't know what a wonderful practice is that to be doing that with your hands constantly. I mean, yeah. it's the Karate Kid movie. Yeah. Look what happened. The Karate Kid movie under the direction of a great coach, Miyagi. Yep. Uh, made out of the kid one of the top Karate Kid. How? By doing simple things. Wash the car over and over. Wash it over and over. And by the time the competition come, the kid was ready to fight. He didn't even know. It was like all a simple direction. Miyagi give the kid by the end. Mm-hmm. For the ocean. Now, do go ahead and do everything that I taught you to do while cleaning the car. One by one, and then you will get where you are. That's exactly how I see lots of Haitian kids. Hey, folks, if you join, go ahead. I think you broke up, Enzo, just for a second. You, you were mentioning you see this in Haiti kids, right? Yeah, I see. Yeah, exactly. I see that in the Haiti kids. They have been wrecking with their hands constantly doing something constantly with their hands. So that's said, they are really ready to throw. They are really to hit, they are ready to run. And so let's go back for a second to the coaches because I wanna, I wanna stress the coaches one more time because it's so, such an important program if you're gonna develop the kids. What are you guys doing with the coaches in Haiti? Give us an idea how many players are playing baseball in Haiti and also how many coaches roughly are in the country and kind of what you're doing to educate the coaches. I know you mentioned Andre Lachance and, but you know, education is almost on a continual basis, right? The game's evolving. Um, the, the training of the game is evolving. 
Um, what are the coaches they're doing to get better? So this is a great question. I spoke to the president the other day and I let him know that as soon as we have our first training, we will want our coaches constantly, constantly to be engaged with themselves, taking courses and trainings that will be able to help us develop quality sports in the country. If we don't have good coaches, we will end up having kids batting uh, uh, correctly. Yeah, exactly. Batting on the air, believing that will give them the skill and the muscles that they want. No, 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 no. That's a big no, no. You're destroying that kid's arm. We want proper training. So to answer your question, Peter, what we what we have right now, we have around like four coaches in the country right now. And this is not enough. Not at all, not even close to where we want to be. So, and I told the president, advised the president that before we can definitely start growing big, we need to have a coaches institute. Now, so the federation to sponsor that, we want the Committee of Olympics to really get involved. Coaches Institute under the Haitian Baseball Federation. Go ahead, Peter. No, I was going to mention you have you have. It sounds like a big advantage. You have the support of the government. This is more under a government program, more controlled and education. Is is that true? Is that fall under the government also? So the federation right now, of course, the, the, the rules and the regulation falls, the, the federation falls under the, 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 the Olympic Committee of the country. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, that the government has not been involved that much at all to our development. Mm. But have we presented a project to them and tell them to sponsor? Maybe there's a question mark in there, because I have to be honest. It's the same thing I told you the other day that, uh, Peter, I don't really want to go to the WBSC and ask them for money without a project. I will automatically be looking like a scammer, a liar, or someone trying to take money away with rat. So the WBSC will not give you a dime, or the Copa Bay probably will not going to support you if you don't have like a proper project to present. So we are working on something to introduce to the government, to the Ministry of Education and Ministry of Sports, and show them where, where we really need the support and become their best partners. I believe that good sport development in the country cannot work without the involvement of the Ministry of Education, Ministry of Sports, which automatically include the governments. Without that, it's just backyard things. You know what the many of the backyard things, like info, mm-hmm. you will struggle. You got to make the government your best partner to be able to, to, to have a chance. Folks, I told you this show was going to be exciting. I also mentioned that we're going to have a young man on who has a sense of a very good direction on how to develop the sport um, in that country. You know, you mentioned coaches and getting coaches. Now, I'm assuming you got to have a program now. You got to go out and try to recruit more people. That's always a challenge. It's a challenge anywhere in the U.S. because most of them, uh, believe it or not, the largest coaches group, even though they're not organized, but the largest coaches group in the world are volunteers. You can add up Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball, high school, college, add up all the coaches in those levels uh, that are not, they're mostly professionals. And the amateur or the volunteers have the largest group by far. And one of the tough parts is getting volunteers, whether it be moms and dads or whoever they may be, to come coach maybe a sport that they're not familiar with. That's a challenge. How are you gonna, how are you gonna go after that challenge? Because it looks like you, you love this challenge. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I think we need to go to the hardships. Like, again, we have to go to the test the bitter side of things to be able to appreciate the sweet Peter. So it's a challenge. I have made connection with lots of NCAA uh, retired coaches. And uh, also, I have made great connection with all Goldies. I don't know if you know all Goldies. Sure. Uh, Former White Sox executive. Yeah, exactly. He's a pretty good friend of mine. Buddy. Chicago guy. That's, that's where we're at, right here in Chicago. Yeah, Chicago, yeah. Uh, Al is a great friend of mine. So I talk to Al a lot. So before the pandemic, we were going to put a group of coaches together to help with Haiti national team. And, but um, it didn't work out. But fortunately, Lino Rivera, the Puerto Rican, came our way very excited and tell me, Enzo, you tell me, Ado, eh, voy a hacer lo que sea. Dígame lo que hay que hacer. Like, tell me what, what I have to do, Aldo. Yeah. So with Lino, I'm not going to say we are all set when it comes to coaches, but what a coach that we have. So with that said, he's working really hard, but Peter, 
hey, you're not going to run away from that. I'm going to keep you. So with that said, be, be close, don't run, be close. So we will need your help, your coaching skills and your, your, your support. And, and then whenever things go better in the country, we'll need you to really help us put a group of coaches together to help. Because believe me, we appreciate the help that the Cuban is giving us into the country. Oh, those are great help, but will we keep the Cuban forever? No, not at all. We like them, but we want to be able to produce our own coaches. So we don't have to rely on the Dominican Republic, even though we are very grateful for everything that their federation have done mm-hmm. for us. We don't need to rely to, uh, 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 to what the United States have or, or Canada. So with that said, for more appreciation that I have to add, Andre Lachance, I don't want to call him every day to come and coach my people. I want them to be able to learn from him and take that knowledge to be able to continue coaching other people in the country. That's how we can be a solid and sustainable federation. Otherwise, I haven't seen any federation that can say we are like independent we can do anything in our own without first having a really good coaching structure for their athletes well the way you're going there's no way we're not going to help and we're definitely going to be helping you so don't worry about that part because we're going to be staying in touch you know the other part of this is you're built you're building the foundation of the sport at the grassroots level but now you're also the general manager of the national team so now we're talking about the higher level because in some ways You've got to have the foundation, but you also have to have a goal for the young players to reach, which is a national team. You've got college baseball. We talked about professional and all that. Um, talk about the national team program. Um, what, how was that founded or funded and how does it work and where they've been competing? This is a bomb question and I like it. And I know that it was going to come. So Lino, uh, you know that he's coaching in the lead dome right now. He's the head coach for the Toro del Este in the Dominican Republic. And uh, right now, as you know, all over the Dominican Republic, we have lots of Haitian Dominican um, active players and release players and then lots of minor leaguers too, right? So we, we, we have a, a very long list of kids right now currently playing minor league baseball and even major league baseball. Haitian Dominicans that already said hi to us. You probably have know our friend um, Jeff Howard. Jeff I know Howard of him. from Sarasota. He's like my older brother. So Jeff had a pretty nice um, meeting with uh, with Chucky Toussaint, and you know that he's Haitian American, right? Mm, no. Yeah, Chucky Toussaint is Haitian American. So. Yeah. We had some sweet conversation with him and without mentioning other names, Lino Rivera have made very great contact with lots of kids, lots of players. That, when I say top players that are already committed, say, yes, we want to play, where do we start? It's about like setting up the right procedure because we don't want to get right on to, for example, Domingo Germán, where the, 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 the Yankee player. We don't want to get right on to him, come and play. We got to kind of pull, present the project to him and then follow the right procedure that the Major League Baseball has in place for those players that want to represent the national team. And this is where we are at right now, even though the players say yes, but we still want to go to the right channel. But right now, I can tell you, we are working on this national team night and day, believing that our first competition will be against Puerto Rico. We already have something lined up, by the way. So our first competition will be against Puerto Rico. We are working on, on that. We haven't sent the information to Kiles yet. He's the president for the Federation, but it's coming. But all goals will be play against Puerto Rico and play some friendly game against the Dominican Republic, Venezuela. So with that said, we have materials. When I said we have materials, we have players with skills. There's a saying in Haitian Creole, I like to use that. So. When your mom die, you take your grandmother's breast. <laughs> I've never heard that one before. You got you like me on it? that one. You like it? <laughs> that one I've never heard. I'm going to have to use that. I'll, just, I'll make sure people understand I got it from you. Because, <laughs> yeah. Peter, let, let's just say it like that. There's like hundreds of Haitian Dominicans playing my, my, minor league baseball, major league baseball. 
I mean, I can tell you there is no way all of them will be able to represent the national team. Not at all. Sure. There are so many, so many. And those kids speak Creole very well. And they know that they are Haitian. For example, Felix Pierre, I had to meet with him several times and talk to him. He, we became really good friends. Maybe we are related because I'm Pierre too. You never know. So I talked to Pierre several times. I said, Pierre, what do you think about this project? He said, you know what? I'm all in. Tell me when to play and when to start. I say, great, I'm going to call the captain. We recruited him as the captain of the team. So he's the guy right now on our website, and he's the guy that all kids will have to rely on. So we have a lot of minor leaguers released that we have a, a very long uh, WhatsApp group with them. We talk to them every day and every week. We give them updates on what we're doing. So with that said, the group is already set up, Peter. It's about waiting for the right moment. January, February will look like beautiful. Enzo, I have no doubt after talking to you for close to an hour now that you're going to accomplish everything you said you're going to accomplish. And I get it. It's not just you. It's the Federation. It's all the people that, that you know, are working along with you. Uh, it sounds like you guys are doing an awesome job. Now, I got I to gotta throw this at you because we talked earlier about learning from other mistakes. And I, this is one area I want, I'm sure you've thought about, but I want to bring it out to, just to make sure of this. Um, We've seen federations go through this before. I'm not going to mention names, but a lot of times they've gone after, you know, players who are, you're calling them Haitian Dominicans, um, but it could be other countries. And they formed the national team. They went to compete and they stayed with that team too long because what happened was they initially they were competing real well and it got them exposure and it got them maybe some funding because as you compete, you also get funding sometimes from your government if you, if you place at a higher level. But at the same time, eventually, I, I realize the numbers aren't there yet, but eventually the kids born in Haiti are going to have to be on that national team um, because they've got to see a goal. If they see other players coming from other countries that happen to have Haitian backgrounds, after a while they're going to say, well, why would I play for the national team? I'm not going to have a chance. These guys are way too good for me. Um, what's, the, what's the goal there so that doesn't happen? Great question. Great question. So the other day I received uh, an email from Gregory Brawl. He's one of the top guys in the Bahamas. I don't know if you know Greg. I know the name. I don't know him. Yes. Yeah, Greg is a great guy and um, he's a leader in the Bahamas. I talk to Greg a lot. And mm -hmm. Greg said that we're going to have a Babe, uh, Babe Ruth uh, um, tournament in the Bahamas. And by next July, and I want you to put uh, a U-12 team together. And I say, just let me know when to start. So right now, at this very moment, I have coaches all across the Dominican Republic right now recruiting those little ones, Haitian, fully Haitian, that to really prepare them as a pipeline, to represent the country with pride, because this flag, will be represented with, with pride. If any players is not willing to really lift up this flag so that you don't belong, you can't play there. So I believe the importance of the pipeline is really important, Peter. It's really, really important. Otherwise you will run out of player. So with that said, we are putting those little ones together at an early age. Mm. So, we have I have sent several checks already to the Dominican Republic to coaches so they can go ahead and recruiting those little ones for us. So it's about waiting for the right time, the right moment, and having the proper permission and the authorization from the Federation to start an official practice over there until our country's door is open for us to have um, um, better preparation for our kids to compete. But we don't want to make the mistake by relying on those very well advanced players and then leave the, the, the one we believe that is not good enough behind. Look at Japan. I think the Japanese, they are great. And everything that the Japanese touch in sports, they are just great. It's just incredible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Development. The Japanese yep. can, can just, let's just say, the Japanese can easily pick up a guy from Japan with, with one arm. And then they help you to pitch properly with the other one. Mm -hmm. Like Sue. How do they do that? Because they believe in the importance of early development. 
right? On early development, the Japanese about, is about like creating, creating, developing, developing, developing. That's what I like. And that's what we want to do, Peter. We want to make sure that those coming behind us are ready to step in whenever we need them. Love it. I love the energy too. I think that's uh, so important. And that's part of coaching also. Hopefully you can, you know, uh, the coaches in Haiti will develop also that passion, you know, when working with young kids. Hey, listen, um, as we come to the end here, I know you've got future goals. I mean, you've talked about a lot of them, um, but I'm sure there's other things that you're working in the future. You've got a big plan. I mean, we're not talking about a one-year plan. We're talking about a 10, 20 year plan here. Um, what are some of the interesting things that you're looking forward to to build when it comes to goals for Haitian baseball? So as for goals, I would like to see Haiti playing all Olympics or the next coming ones. Uh, unfortunately, in France, we're not going to have baseball, but right. we're ready to really kick out, kick the French people's butt by playing baseball. But unfortunately, they, they didn't put baseball on that. But yeah, we want to be able to participate in all Olympics that include baseball, the Pan Americans, and uh, the World Series. And um, in the country of Haiti, I haven't presented that idea to the Dominican Winter League yet, but we do want to have a Haitian team participating in the, in the Dominican Winter League, that fully Haitian. Excellent, excellent. So that's one of the big goals. I mean, do you know what? There's lots of big wounds that have been open for a while, Peter. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm not looking forward to be the superhero between Haiti and the Dominican Republic. That's something naturally I'm trying to do. And I enjoy it because it's bring joy to my life and those I serve. I like to be a servant. And I believe that there's lots of big wounds that have been open for quite a while between both nations. And I believe that if we could share a little bit more in common what they have, maybe those will be a small step to start with, to start closing those gaps little by little. And I believe that sharing the same passion of baseball with the Dominicans, will the situation will help for them to get to know us more and for all to help to get to know them more. It's not like now about like dancing merengue, all Haitians know how to dance merengue. That's something we share, we share in common. Dancing salsa or eating like habichuela con dulce or eating like um, la bandera, arroz, pollo y habichuela. We share all of those things, but there's something that really raises lots of passion. It's baseball. Can we use it to really bring us together as neighbors, as friends? Now, I keep the political side away. I'm not bringing it to what we're doing, not at all. I will reject any support from any group that wants to make politics as part of this project we're doing. But at the same time, we know that can bring joy to both nations. So to summarize, we want to participate in all Olympics games that include baseball, all the Pan-Americans, and we want to participate in the World Series. We want to play it. And then, and finally, we want to create a club from straight from Haiti, practicing in Haiti, living in Haiti, to be able to play in the Dominican Winter League. How it's going to awesome. happen, I don't know yet. But do we have the goal? Yes. Are we going to talk to the, to the Lidom? Yeah, we will talk to them. Yeah, well, they are, I don't know, but we're going to get there. I got a feeling you're going to get there. I know you got you know, you to crawl a little bit before you run, but I got a feeling you're going to do it. And, uh, you know, one thing about baseball, I, I've been fortunate. I've been to over 50 countries. Um, and one thing I've seen baseball do, and that is bring people together. So I know the game can do that. I know you're going to do it. Um, and I see here's what I see for you in the future. I'm looking long term for you also. Um, and a shout out to the World Baseball Classic and our friends at Major League Baseball, because Haiti one day will be in one of the qualifiers or in the World Baseball Classic. That's going to be I think is the ultimate goal eventually. And then along with the Olympics, but I think that's a good goal also. Right. Long-term goals, but everything fell under good leadership and good coaching practices. Otherwise, this is just dreams. Enzo from Copabe Playball, I got to thank you so much. The people, 
first of all, the people listening on, you know, on Facebook and watching Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, um, hopefully, uh, if you didn't get a lot out of this, man, you just weren't listening because uh, I think Haitian baseball is on its way so, to really great things. Um, and on behalf of Copabe Play Ball, I just want to thank you, man, for joining us. It's been over an hour and I, I could keep going with you, man. You got a lot of energy, a lot of excitement, and you're going to be, and you are and will be even greater for the game of baseball in Copabe. Thank you, Peter. Thank you for having me. It's always amazing to talk to you, and this is an opportunity. And um, keep changing um, hearts and keep touching hearts. And, and I think what you're doing is amazing. And I invite all coaches and all federation from, from the Copa Bay, even the Coca Bay from the Caribbean, to really uh, follow those great um, feedback that you have for coaches. And um, they are not going to waste their time. I extend my invitation to each of those federations to really follow along with you because you are teaching really good stuff. Awesome. Thank you, Enzo. And folks, we're going to put Enzo's email and all this information on the show notes on the website of Copabe Play Ball. I'll put it also on mine. And that way you can get a hold of Enzo if you got any questions for him, you want to help in any way you can. Obviously, we know coaches' education is number one. Um, so we, I know we're going to put some efforts into that. And I say we, ISG Baseball, we do that around the world. We're going to be helping Haitian baseball pretty soon here with their coaches. Hey, folks, that's Enzo Pierre. He's the national team uh, coach. I, I should say the national team general manager for Haitian baseball. Um, I hope you enjoyed the show because I certainly did. And I want to thank Enzo. I want to thank our producers over at Copabe Play Ball. I want to thank all our listeners for being on the show and listening to the show. And don't forget, stay safe, be healthy. God bless you, and we'll see you on the next show. This has been Baseball Outside the Box with Peter Caliendo. Listen online at BaseballOutsideTheBox.com and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and all major podcast outlets. Join the conversation on Facebook and Twitter. Get all of our podcasts now at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.